This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast where we talk about the Aragon books for the Inheritance Cycle. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host. My name is Shelby or Sheikup. And before we get started, I wanted to remind you to please like and review us on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us five stars and some words, we will read them out on a future episode of the show. And we have a new way that you can interact with us, which is Spotify has added commenting to episodes where you can leave kind comments on what you think. If you leave them and a five-star review or leave some kind comments, we will read them out on a future episode of the show, though I will say that they might not be as frequent as reviews if we do that just because when we get to check out them and there might be some that we miss. Or if you're listening and you're behind where we're recording, it might be a couple weeks before we get to your comment. So do we have any comments? Yeah, I do have one today. Um, this one came from Reddy and they commented on the Fighting Shadows episode. And this is what they said. I love your episodes and how they go so in-depth with the Aragon books. I hope that you keep making your wonderful predictions and keep making episodes. Five stars for every episode. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And if you want to come and hang out with us, you can join us on Discord at the Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. You can find that link in the episode description. You can also find a clickable link to that if you go to cupspodcasting.com, which is our official website. So you can go there and you can check out our other podcast and find the link to the Discord and come and hang out with us. And so let's just jump right into it. So today we are talking about Flight Through the Valley. And so this chapter starts with Aragon waking up and continuing to lament about his interaction with Murtag in the previous chapters. And then while flying, Aragon witnesses the Urgles closing in on him. Uh, they just... They, Aragon and Sephira, push even harder with Aragon flying on Sephira as they flee. They escape to an ancient forest, which offers an eerie feeling to Aragon as they move through it. The Urgles continue to make ground as they reach the valley that leads to the Varden. Aragon attempts to stall the Urgle with a magical mist, but it only temporarily works and it drains the rest of Aragon's energy. He was too far away for the magic to be effective, which Sephira once again reprimands him for. The Urgles come even closer as Aragon flees and Arya begins to thrash with her fever. Sephira drops rocks on the Urgles to slow them, but they remain close to Murtag, deciding not to fly ahead. When they arrive at the waterfall that is the secret entrance to the Varden, Murtag frankly looks for somewhere to escape to, but they cannot find anything. 
Murtag is angry but has no choice but to press into the Varden's territory for safety. He reveals at last that he is the son of Morzin, and that is the reason he does not want to go to the Varden. Yeah, so first things first, um, I'm the realist, first of all. Second of all, I was right and I was wrong about Murtag. I did say... My, I think my latest prediction was that he was the son of Galbatorix himself, but ultimately I, I basically, my prediction was that he was the son, the child of someone very important to the Empire, and that was correct. Uh, Morzan was very important to the Empire. Yes, that's true. I had to but laugh at your prediction last time with the king because you were very adamant about like, there's no one else it can be. There's no one that has this kind of insider knowledge. (laughs) There's no one that would make him so ready. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. So um, I thought it was really funny. You know, the last last week we talked about Aragon being so convinced um, and upset with Murtag for committing what he calls murder and is just like very black and white. And that is is still happening in this episode, too. Um, He's I wrote in my notes, Aragon is pissy still, which he is. And also, I find it relevant. Um, I took a whole page of notes this week. Normally, I only do half a page per chapter, but this time we've got a full page. So anyway, Lots to talk about today, but yeah, so Aragon's mad, um, and he's talking about how it was murder and da 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 da. And Safira, I imagine if they weren't flying, and if Safira was a human, she would basically like drag him off by his elbow or ear to a corner of a room and be like, "Sit down, we're gonna have a conversation about this." And like that's the attitude I'm picturing this happening in. But they're flying, so it's not entirely accurate. Um, but. Her response to him, I just found really funny. And I I brought the quote. It's on page 395. And Aragon's like, that was murder. I have no other word for it. And Safira says this. It was a hasty deed and ill-considered, but Murtag tried to do the right thing. The men who buy and sell other humans deserve every misfortune that befalls them. If we weren't committed to helping Arya, I would hunt down every slaver and tear them apart. And then Aragon continues on and he's like, yeah, but da 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 And she's like, Aragon, you're an idiot. It, the results would have been the same no matter what. You can come up with these what if scenarios, but Torkenbrand would have tried to kill you the minute he could. Murtag did the right thing. And finally, Aragon's like, well, I just don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore. And it's just such a, it's just such an immature teenager kind of response and reaction, which makes it funny to me. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And I find Safira's quote here about like, basically that would it have been better if Brand would have had a sword? Few can match you in Murtag. So like you said, the result would be the same. And it's just a thing about people are going to die. The manner in which they die doesn't make it any any more desirable. Right. Right. And like, 
I think the thing that stuck out to me about this whole exchange is Aragon's arguing and arguing and arguing. And every time Safira has a rebuttal and finally he gives up and is like, fine, I just, I don't understand. It's too confusing. Like I can't make sense of this logically and ethically. And Safira says, sometimes there are no answers. And for me, I really loved this quote. I agree with it a lot. And at the same time, I thought Aragon had learned this already. I thought he learned this with his grief over Brahm's death. I thought he had learned this with his grief and upsetness about his home being burned and his uncle being murdered. I thought he had learned this at Derret or with the slaves in the city. Like, I thought he had learned this lesson a thousand times over. So it's just kind of surprising to me that once again, we're here in the same place. And once again, Aragon is the least wise of all the people around him. Yeah, I think that for Aragon, he's still, even though he's had so much evidence to the contrary he is still wrapped up in this idea that there are good guys and there are bad guys and we are the good guys and so we behave a certain way and keep this argument in the back of your mind the whole exchange both last chapter with Murtag and Thorkin Brand and this conversation with Safira because it's going to come back up I don't like that <laughs> um, but yeah, Aragon, neither Aragon nor Murtag are people who can let things go. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's going to be a theme with Aragon about the the role he plays in deciding the fate of others. Because mm-hmm. that's really what this conversation boils down to, is that Murtag decided his fate. And Aragon mm-hmm. thought he took too much power in, in that decision. And I agree with that, but also I do think it's a little bit deeper than that, too, because if we look at Aragon, and he he obviously is not to the point of realizing this himself yet, but we could do a little psychoanalysis here on the show. It's also about Aragon's entire fate and his entire destiny was decided for him when he met Safira, when he picked up her egg and took it back home. He had no choice in everything I mean, he did have choices to make, but at some level, what happens next is predetermined in his life. And at some level, he's probably jealous and bitter and uneasy with the fact that other people have the ability to make choices that he doesn't have. Murtag being one of them. I think that's fair. Um, Yeah. So anyway, moving on a little bit throughout the chapter, um, you know, they are going through the valley. Um, Murtag keeps asking, like, what are we going to do? Like, what's the plan? Finally, they decide that they'll split up when they get to the Varden and Murtag will find like an exit or whatever and go south to Serta. And then uh, Aragon and Safira will continue in with Arya and everything. So they're continuing on their path. The Urgles are very, very close behind them. Um, Something that was interesting to me in these paragraphs is that Aragon and Safira talk a lot about the forest specifically, feeling old, feeling hostile, 
um, seeing new plants and new animals that they've never seen before. So I think this is a major exercise in maybe foreshadowing, but also just illuminating how different this place is to any place that they've been before. Cause I think that we could think, Oh, it's really similar to, um, the spine and the mountains where Aragon grew up. But I think Paolini is doing a really intentional job of illustrating how these mountains and this forest is different. Yeah, I definitely think that and that it's a foreign land and Aragon doesn't feel at home, even though he's in a forest again and he should. Right, exactly. So another thing that I thought was interesting, and I did remember this one little snippet from the little bit of the audiobook that I've listened to with you, um, but Aragon and Safira, they basically fly up into the sky to scout ahead, see if they can see anything, but instead all they come across is clouds and snow and water, and basically they go up way too high and Aragon is losing his consciousness and all of the water is freezing on him. He basically has like a helmet of ice surrounding him and he starts seeing spots and tries to communicate to Safira like, hey, we need we need to go back down like immediately. And he can't communicate with her. And so when they finally get lower, she can communicate with her and she's like, oh, yeah, you were blacking out, uh, but I couldn't understand a thing you were saying. <laughs> and so they just have that conversation and um it it was an interesting play on Icarus, you know, flying too close to the sun and whatnot, but also an interesting reminder for me. I'll keep this in the back of my in my back pocket for sure. Um, I think Aragon tries to fly too close to the sun a lot of times, especially when he uses magic. So um, we'll see if this is an instance of foreshadowing or just a reminder to Aragon, you know, whatever. But Safira has some interesting reflections on this whole exercise. Right. I, every time I read this, I just chuckle at the like a really like real experience and like comment that Aragon has after this, which is just like, how can there be air down there, but not up here? And I just laugh at that. Cause like, that's of course that's what he thinks. Yeah, for sure. And we know as our 21st century minds, when we read this, we're like, oh yeah, that's how it works. As you get higher, the atmosphere gets thinner and there's less air for humans to breathe. Aragon doesn't know that. He doesn't know there's anything right. beyond the clouds, really. True. But that's also the assumption that this world is on Earth and that everything is the same. And I don't think we have confirmation of that. It's Earth-like. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the Urgles for a while because there were some important lore drops, but also I wanted to compare this, of course, to Dragon Age. If you listen to this and you don't play Dragon Age, you might be sick of me, but I don't care. Um, so anyway, the Urgles are continuing to gain on them. They cannot get ahead of the Urgles and they just genuinely don't understand why. Um, but... Basically, we learn through, again, Murtag, that these Urgles are not just regular Urgles. They are what's called Cull. And basically, they're like the special forces of the Urgles. They are all over eight feet tall. They are stronger, bigger, faster than regular Urgles. And um, 
they're basically just like an elite soldier force. And so that's how they've been able to gain on them so quickly. But it just really reminds me from Dragon Age of like when you have a group who is fighting and is good fighters and warriors and whatnot. And then that group potentially starts taking red lyrium. They reach another level. So that's, I thought that was what's going to happen that they weren't, weren't just like the elites that they were like on some kind of drug or had some special magic from the empire or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting that there are like different basically like a subspecies, a sub race of Urgles that are faster, stronger and taller even. Mm -hmm. And like, how does that even develop? I guess it makes sense that they would continue to exist because they basically seclude themselves off from the rest of the Urgles. But like, how did they get there in the first place? You know, it's interesting. Uh, we are not done with the Urgles. So keep reading. No, we're not. Um, but eventually, you know, Safira, Aragon, they come up with this kind of actually smart plan to drop rocks on the Urgles after Aragon's an effing idiot and basically almost kills himself by using too much magic, which, of course. And it's funny because um, <laughs> Safira's like, Please remember this lesson from Brom. Like, I don't want you to die. <laughs> but let's talk about Murtag and Aragon's argument because once again, we're back at the same place once again. Um, and th at this point, again, this is Aragon's in the wrong. He is picking this argument because he's the one that says, well, if you do this, it could be your atonement for Torkin Brand. And Murtag is like, what the hell? I don't have to atone for that. What is wrong with you? And it just, you know, sparks the whole thing up again. I know. It's just like Aragon. Come on. Let's I thought we I thought we were teaching you tact. I thought that was the whole lesson you were supposed to learn with Braum after the Urgles incident outside of uh Tyrum. Yeah, we thought. Uh, but again, I think this is a great place where Safira's quote of like, please remember this lesson in the future should come into play. Like, Brahm is not there anymore to remind you of like what to do, how to behave, to save your butt when you're SOL. And we're seeing the effects of that. We're seeing what happens when that's the case. Right. And like, this is a point of like these moments with Murtag where Aragon is basically in this foot in mouth syndrome that he has going on explains why Braum did not want to take him to the Varden to deal with all the politics because he would end up insulting some important noble or person who is funding the Varden who is doing something and end up with more enemies than allies yeah I mean to me that's not beyond the realm of possibility now that's that's true. That is true. So, anyway. 
But it's also funny to me, like kind of speaking on this, Aragon is just under the assumption that they're going to be welcomed with open arms and that everyone can go to the Varden who's in this party and they're just going to be so grateful to them for bringing back Arya and everything will be fine and dandy. And Safira is really trying to drive home the fact that like you're walking into danger. We may not survive this. You need to be prepared for when what happens when they don't welcome you with open arms. And he basically like brushes her off the first couple of times. And she's like, I don't think you understand the gravity of this situation. And finally, he like begins to understand a little bit. But I still don't think he fully grasps the reality of this situation. Right. Uh, so we know, and like Safira speaks the truth. So we know that the, the Varden at least knows that Safira's egg was stolen from Galvatorix. But for all they know, and Safira's right, is that this could be a new writer that Galvatorix has brought up and he's leading an army of Urkels to their front door. Yep. Exactly, especially when they when they pop in with Murtag. But that gets to the final point because Aragon doesn't know who Murtag is at this point. Um, but he's about to find out because again, they're arguing. They're I picture them as like screaming at each other in the forest while the Urgles are basically running them down. And Safira's like, hurry up. But we learn that Murtag is the son of Morzan. And Aragon is just like, you're what? <laughs> um, so that's how the chapter ends. Right. And I want to I want to read the actual quote of his revelation because I think it's really interesting. So for me, it's on page 468. It says, finally, Murtag turned to Aragon. His breathing was hard and fast like that of a cornered wolf. He paused, then said with a tortured voice, you have a right to know, I, I am the son of Morzan, first and last of the Forsworn. And that's how the chapter ends. So the only prediction that I had, um, it, I wrote it at the very beginning, and it basically became very obvious that that is confirmed what's going to happen. So I'll tell you what it is, but it's not groundbreaking. <laughs> I basically just wrote that Murtag is going to have to go into the Varda territory and there won't be an exit at all, um, which pretty much confirmed. Yeah. So, and uh, in here on a big cliffhanger, but. We will see you next time on the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page page podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at InheritancePage or email us at InheritancePage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart.